0: Bonjour dear listeners and welcome back to Defence, the conversation about defence you never knew, you always wanted to have. I'm Dr Alex Valenti and today's episode marks the beginning of Season 2 of the Defence podcast. First of all, a warm thank you to all the people out there who have been listening to Season 1 and supporting this work. Because, well, podcasting is work. Then I'm really excited to tell you that this first episode after the summer break was recorded in collaboration with Ken Miller defence colleague and fellow podcaster, who has all of my respect because he's not only in charge of one, but two podcasts, From the Crows' Nests and The History of All Crows. So, in this episode, we will take you through what our podcasts are about, why we decided to dive into this broadcasting adventure, and the joys and pains of this exciting journey. We also discuss how defence permeates our daily lives as citizens. How we believe that key technologies like artificial intelligence and machine learning and quantum computing are changing defense, and the difficulties for creative and innovative startups in getting funding and access to government programs. And last but not least, do stay tuned until the end because we give you a preview of what our new seasons will discuss and how you can support us. Enjoy! <laughs>
1: Well, hello, Alex. It's uh, great to be here with you on our joint venture of our podcast. Uh, It's good to talk to you again. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Thanks very much for organizing this with me. You know, I was going to say being my guest, but it's kind of like (laughs) force of habit, isn't
1: it? (laughs) Yeah, it is. We're we're recording this at the end of August, so we're both kind of finishing up our summer holidays seasons, heading in, and we, we, we thought it would be a good time to come together for this joint podcast because. We're, we're heading out of the summer months into September here in the U.S., and you are beginning your second season, correct, with your show. So we're kind of uh, at the same point here with our shows. I thought we'd come together and and, and, uh, and talk a little bit about what's going on in, in the world of, uh, of defense. So thanks for working on this here over the last couple of weeks.
0: Oh no no! It's been a pleasure, and um, and I'm really excited to be doing this with you. I mean, as we've been following each other for uh, for a while in our podcasts, so it's uh, as you know, as we discussed um, off uh, the air. Let's put it that way. We we said that you know, podcasting has its own challenges and its own exciting moments, and it'd be good to to have a discussion the two of us, but to have it on the air so that people can also be aware of. Why we're doing this, you know, what we intend to do in our next seasons, but also what our challenges are. And maybe we can also give them some hints at the end of this to tell them how they can support us.
1: Exactly. I, I thought you were going to say how they could start their own podcast. I'm like, we don't want that. We don't, we don't want the competition. <laughs> no, we just support our own podcast. That's, that's a much better way of putting it. It's been great to get to know you a little bit uh, over these past few months. For our, our listeners, especially, my, my listeners especially, they'll recognize you, you played an important role in our EW Europe discussion, our live streaming efforts that happened there. It was a, great to kind of get your perspective. And, you know, both of our podcasts, while it's defense, we're in completely different realms. And so I'm every time I listen to one of your shows, it's it's you're talking about issues that, that your tagline is... The conversation that you wanted to have in defense, but you never knew you wanted. Exactly, I screwed, I yeah. screwed that up. No, I screwed that up. Well, it's
0: uh, it's close enough. It's close enough. Right. Uh, but
1: it's, uh, that's the case. I mean, yeah. I, I I've I learned something new every time because it's you're not talking specifically about electronic warfare, and and likewise. So.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean. You being a bit too generous, I don't think I played much of a very important role in your <laughs> in your live streaming, but I was very honored to be a guest, and I was very impressed that you were doing a live streaming because because it's live and it's not always easy, and you were doing it on the show floor with everything that that implies, with connections and everything. So no, no, it was a it was a great idea, and a, and and I'm glad to hear, as we'll probably discuss later on, that you will be doing this again uh, later on this year. But yeah, as you were saying, the tagline is, uh, you didn't mess it up, as in it's not exactly what I say, but it's uh, it's it, you know, it's the conversation about defense you never knew you always wanted to have. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's great for me also to listen to your podcast because I have been talking with Tom in my episodes, you know, Thomas Whittington, who's big expert uh, on electronic warfare. And I realized that I don't think I ever really properly explained to my listeners what electronic warfare is. So I'm afraid to say this task is going to fall onto you today? Oh, okay. Well we'll,
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, I, years years ago, I was talking to a defense reporter, and they asked the similar question. They were like, "What is electronic warfare?" And I I I was like, "I've got this," and gave him an answer. And he printed it, the answer in his words, and it came across as nobody does electronic warfare except the Navy and. There's one. The EA6B Prowler back in the day is the only aircraft that does electronic work. I mean, completely just not right. And uh, I was like, oh god. And sure enough, I mean, that just that went over terribly. Yeah, uh, and I got dressed down by uh, some folks in other in the other in other services, and so I tried to get a, a, a retraction and and a correction. But my colleague. John Knowles, who you met also at AOC Europe, uh, Journal of Electromagnetic Dominance, longtime friend of mine, he was like, hey, Ken, if you are asked what is electronic warfare and you ever find yourself saying to the effect, let me explain it this way, just stop because nothing good is going to follow. So I say that as a caveat because if I try to explain it and I you, I start to utter those words, I can't say turn the dial, but like, basically be be aware that uh, I'm still dealing with uh, a little bit of trauma from that uh, experience (laughs) like 20 years ago.
0: I should signal to you and say, no, 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 no. (laughs) no,
1: (laughs) Luckily, this is not live. So, you know, we'll we'll probably end up uh, editing uh, to make sure it's absolutely right.
0: (laughs) Well, no, I think maybe an easier way to explain it would be to explain what your podcast is about and, you know, what kind of topics you explore.
1: So our listeners will understand that, you know, we started this podcast a couple years ago uh, coming out of COVID because one of the challenges that we've always had in the electromagnetic warfare, electronic warfare uh, community is, is raising awareness. And AOC, Association of World Crows, does a fantastic job, conferences, webinars, courses, and so forth. When COVID hit, we kind of really saw an end to a lot of those in-person opportunities. And so, We were on the cusp, you know, obviously we were over the past 20 years, we have been really pushing to make a lot of progress in getting awareness raised in the highest echelons of leadership, both in the U.S. and around the globe about why we need electronic warfare capabilities because the future fight is, that's where the future fight takes place is in the electromagnetic spectrum. And so the podcast was about helping us raise awareness reaching outside of AOC membership and trying to reach everybody. And, and, and the show itself has actually shown that because when we were, I think the last statistics I think we're, we have listeners, I think in eight, 90 countries around the world listening to the show and, 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 uh, obviously mostly in the U S but we're far more international than a lot of podcasts, which is great to see. And, and I think that that's, so our job is here to take a look at all the issues, bring them to, bring them in on the show, experts, uh, thought leaders, operators, people who know far more about EW than I do, and just talk about what is going on and educate kind of, quote-unquote, the masses. What we've seen is this kind of ebb and flow in terms of awareness and in terms of investment and, and pursuit of advanced electronic warfare. And what we want to make sure is we just – really make sure that we push the that constant positive investment and growth in this area because it's so critical to everything we do, not just in the military, but civilian life and every aspect of society relies on the electromagnetic spectrum. So that's what our show is about. It's, you know, we cover everything. So.
0: <laughs> well, it sounds like we're, you know, definitely coming at it from uh, very similar perspectives because... I mean, defense was, for me, uh, again, similar to you about making defense accessible to people who may not be very well versed in this kind of very specific world. It also came from the fact that, well, I did, my studies were in urban development planning, so literally nothing to do with defense. And <laughs> my PhD was on post-conflict reconstruction cities, focusing on cities and, and and national uh, Citizenship building. So, you know, a lot of people, when I started working in defense eight years ago were telling me like how, why, what happens, you know, and they couldn't quite grasp why I had gone into this field. And for me, you know, defense has has played a significant role in my in my in my head, in my life, in my career, understanding how many, many different things fit together, including what i was doing for my phd what i what i looked into you know because when you're rebuilding a country well you have to know what happened before you have to know how it was well destroyed when we're talking about a conflict but also what happened when you know peacekeeping came in and peace building so all of these things come together and yeah i really wanted the world to understand better what defense is about who's in this domain and what kind of topics as well and again where I'm very similar to you is I don't have any even though my title says so I had I do not pretend to be an expert in in defense I know a bit of everything you know but definitely not a lot of one thing and I really like the idea of being able to have guests on the show who are very passionate about what they do you know and what they do is very often develop these technologies that help navies and armies and air forces underground do their job in protecting our country and protecting civilians and I thought what better way to give them you know to raise awareness then to to give them a voice on a podcast where I try to also turn this more into a conversation rather than what we often see also is like a very, apologies for other podcasts out there, but so often a stiff conversation, you know, like a simple Q&A. So I think we come at it from very similar.
1: Yeah, I, and, and I agree with you 100% with the, the, the notion of making it accessible when you're dealing with our field with, you know, just a, high, a highly technical field, but just defense in general, there, there is a lot of, uh, there, there's a lack of knowledge, a, a lack of shared understanding about what is going on. And at the end of the day, you know, I, I, I sometimes bristle at the notion that, you know, people say, oh, electro- electronic warfare is a niche community. I'm like, you're, you're dealing with one of the fundamental forces of the universe in electromagnetism. I mean, it's hardly anything but niche. It's everywhere. So it's just that people don't understand it. And so like you, I mean, I've been in this field a little bit longer than, you know, for, I guess, dating myself here, like 25 years. Uh, But it hasn't been, but, you know, I don't come at at it from uh, any sort of uh, military background, or even as a trained engineer, you know, I came from a US Congress as a, as a staff member there, and then just hopped over to AOC and did consulting. So I've always kind of been on the outside, and so my first question usually is, what don't I know about this topic? And it usually starts at the very introductory level. So I, I feel that in some ways the podcast is good because I'm learning each episode that I do, and I think that that is uh, an element that is very important to convey to listeners because in making it accessible, we're learning with them, and we're kind of going along that journey.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, same here. I've been learning a lot from the people I've been interviewing. And I've been learning a lot also about, well, about everything, about myself, about the process of making a podcast, about the joys and pains of making the podcast. So I think... And this is also why we wanted to do this episode, right? We also wanted to be able to convey and make accessible once more uh, to our audiences what it means to be on this side of the podcast and, and producing and creating it and, and making sure that there's something out there that they want to listen to and that will give them additional information on how, as you said, you know, electromagnetic warfare is everywhere. So how the world works and, you know, defense and and security, again, are everywhere out there. I mean, the war in Ukraine, sadly, is reminding this to us every day. So yeah, what what it's like to build this for them.
1: And it doesn't matter where you're coming from or what uh, sector of the economy or or, or community or society you're coming from or looking at it because even stepping outside of EW, everything is becoming more interconnected in ways that we're having a hard time keeping pace with. And, you know, and so you can even see that in a lot of times with, with conflict. And I'd be interested in your thoughts here. You know, when, when you talk post-conflict, you know, it, generations ago, obviously, uh, uh, one of the the primary goals of an adversary is to basically destroy a particular area now they ha- you want that infrastructure to remain after the conflict because you have to still run services to if not to rebuild that society you want to leverage the infrastructure in that society so you're you're surgically you're going about operations much more surgically than you did generations ago and a lot of that has to do with how our you know our views on electromagnetic energy uh, electromagnetic spectrum communications networks uh, and so forth and so it's rapidly changing how we approach a conflict and that has of course cascading effects on post-conflict am I-, I-, I am I kind of touching on the right path on that
0: yeah yeah absolutely um you know we're looking at it, if you look at Ukraine uh, I mean there is there has been destruction but you're not seeing the same level of destruction thankfully that than we used to see back in you know World War II and, and and those kind of those kind of Wars and there's been also a field emerging on urban warfare so what does it mean to be fighting and this was very predominant as well when we were talking about insurgency, when we were talking about terrorism. So it was like when the def- when the realm of defense is very very mixed with with you know civil society and and people. So how do you distinguish the, the bad guys from the good guys? How do you ensure there's no enemy? You know, like no friendly fire, or that you're not killing civilians? How do you limit your your you know the losses and and um, and casualties? So. I did a bit of work on urban warfare and, and and all of this, and you know I know this is something you wanted to discuss with me, how technology may be helping, and and there was, there was definitely a lot of technology out there that allows you to communicate more efficiently. Uh, I mean, we're seeing also. Unmanned systems, unmanned aerial systems, and uh, that are being developed and used more and more. So, you know, the news today, especially you know, like the the general news, will talk about these unmanned systems that are being used to bomb. What they're not talking about is that a lot of these systems are also being used to see beyond line of sight, to see beyond you know, buildings, to see in other streets, to to do a, a recce before you do a strike, all of these things to prevent losses that don't need to be happening. So, And that was also something that was very interesting to me. You know, before I started working in defense, I was actually one of those people who used to say, why the military, why war, why destruction? And then, you know, I I went in the world out there and realized that (laughs) humans are what they are and, you know, the world is what it is and politics as well. And suddenly I realized the importance of all these technologies and the importance of discussing and telling the public that it's not all about destruction. There's a a lot out there that has been developed to protect them and to ensure that there's not going to be as much destruction and, and as much death. So that's long-winded way to answer your question yes you were definitely on the right track there
1: what's interesting you're watching you know the conflict in ukraine as, as well as you know other potential hotspots around the world or recent conflicts going on and you know, my mind is also thinking about the escalation of tensions between us and china and the pacific rim region you know this blending of civilian technology civilian capabilities and how militaries are leveraging that in a way that it used to be the other way around, you know, and so we've seen that switch happen. And we're now realizing that, you know, when we're talking, you know, space is another one you talk to you, you know, unmanned systems, the the role that space is playing in future conflicts in terms of communications, networks, uh, signals, intelligence, uh, all that you control space, which, you know, also, as people know, is, largely electromagnetic energy out there when you get outside of the atmosphere. So it's like you're, you're dealing with, again, one of the fundamental forces of the universe. If you can exert control in space, you can do a tremendous amount of progress toward your goal, whatever that is. Hopefully it's, it's not a bad goal, but I'm just saying it's, the role of space has been critical, especially over in the Pacific. So all these things I think we're starting to learn – a new way of thinking. And it's just interesting from my perspective, uh, you, it always comes back to electromagnetic operations. And the central role that that plays in the past, it's been about, it was a utility, but now we've been talking for decades. Hey, no, we're there's a motto in our community. It's called for, uh, with the wild weasels that were you know, from uh, Vietnam on, uh, I guess, through the 90s, but uh, they were first in, last out. That was the motto. And and we've kind of adopted that because that's kind of true. It's like when you want to execute a, a mission, first and foremost, you've got to be thinking electromagnetic spectrum operations. If you don't, you're not going to be successful, at least not without a loss of life or da- collateral damage that you don't want to suffer.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, I know this is also something that we we've talked about. Offline and and I was curious, you know, if if you could also share this a bit with uh with our um our listeners from both communities, all communities. If there are any particular technologies, you know, that you've seen emerging out there that are really helping this uh, electronic warfare.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think when you, when you talk about advanced technology, you you have to start with artificial intelligence, machine learning, and the role that that is playing in in everything. You know, as we are leveraging commercial and commercial technology and communications technology in society, the amount of data that is out there that we want and need to collect for the purposes of understanding the, the mission, understanding our adversary, understanding those aspects that we have to consider when we're, you know, targeting and so forth. It's just massive, and you have to go through that data and analyze it and send it out to the, the, from sensor to shooter aspect. So how do you do that fast enough that you can actually execute your mission? And that all has to do with artificial intelligence and data processing uh, and, and getting and then getting that from one platform, one network out to another, through all the echelons of, of warfighters out there, leadership and so forth, instantaneously. So that's where I think a lot of our conversation as a community is going is the role that AI cognitive systems are playing because the, we are no longer in, we are – there is still a person in that decision-making process, but they're getting more and more removed as we're just starting to see how fast we need to generate that data and process it.
0: I definitely want to – Get back in a minute to what you to what you um concluded with but i first i wanted to say that i've been seeing the same thing uh in my field so as many people know uh, i've focused mostly on naval uh, warfare and, and naval stuff and um i've been seeing also for exactly the same reasons that you've just very eloquently presented the uh you know the ai and and machine learning and what i'm seeing also now slowly i mean the technology is not completely there yet but i know it's creeping in is quantum computing so how that may be enabling ai as well you know like one is sorting through stuff faster and the other one is helping it calculate even faster so i was wondering if you'd seen that as well in uh, in your in your domain, and um, and the other thing that I wanted to say was the human in the equation. You know, like one thing that again you read a lot in the news today is like, oh, AI is going to replace humans. And when you read in our domain in defense, like proper, you know, like proper research, people when you hear people talking, when you discuss with companies, that's not what's happening. These are enablers, they're not here to replace humans, they're enablers.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's an important point because I think that when we talk AI and we talk about machines, we remove the person from the conversation a lot sooner than the technology actually does. Um, at the end of the day, it's these are algorithms. They are algorithms that are you know processed extremely fast, but those algorithms are created by mankind, humankind. So at the, there is always going to be a, a a person in that process making a contribution in some way. And I think that it does on, on some level bring us to, not that we have to have that here, but an ethical conversation, because I mean, when you're talking about decision-making, you can talk about what decision the machine or the AI system is 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 leaning toward, but you have to go back to that algorithm because that's where it starts and that's where the the human is. And so we still have that that piece of the puzzle that we have to pay attention to. And I think that in some ways, some parts of society, we're not used to having those conversations about the ethics of the algorithm, the creation of those algorithms, what that means. You know, as we Go down the road, so that we don't have to have that conversation now because we'd be here all day. But I I, I do think it's a it's an interesting question that I I I think should be asked a little bit more across everywhere, Uh, not just in defense and not just in terms of electronic warfare. It's just uh, something that has popped up in conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think you're totally right. I mean, people just assume that once we start talking about, when we, once we use these words, there's no more a human involved. So I think, you know, this is also part of the mission, if I can put it this way, that you and I took on, you know, is being able to explain all these concepts to, to people out there and, and and making sure that misinformation or disinformation, I never remember which one is correct. So, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about... The kind of technologies and the kind of topics that we've been sort of looking into so I was kind of curious you know how do you come up with your ideas with your schedule with the interviews how does it work for you how's the process?
1: I I would like to say that uh, you know I sit together with a team and we have a very intentional process to cover everything in a specific order. Um, but generally it's, we have a lot of ideas and we just go out and see who's available next. And so, you know, some sometimes we want to, we, we talk like we want to do a series, but oftentimes that's, which might have like an industry perspective and a government perspective or a technology perspective and an operational perspective, but we can't usually get those back to back in episodes. So it's like, you know, we'll have one perspective in one month and then two months later, we'll have another perspective on that topic, which, you know, at some point we it'd be great to tighten up a little bit. But there is literally so much going on that, I, you know, going into one of the challenges of this is how do you get a, a podcast recorded and out the door quickly enough that it is actually still relevant? Um, and and so you can talk about these topics, but you don't necessarily want to talk about it in July and then release it in October because it's so dynamic that that information is going to get stale. So try to gauge what is on people's minds today, jump on it, find that guest that along that list, and just go with it. So we're working on the fall, and we can get into our agendas a little bit here. But we're working on the fall. We have we'll be talking China. We're going to be talking AI. I'm working on uh, some epi- an episode with uh, Air Force electronic warfare and uh, you know spectrum warfare uh, efforts that there that, that are going on there. We have uh, we're going to cover the all the services in some way, and I know that you've mentioned Navy, so I'd be interested in in having that kind of naval discussion here about like what do we need to be talking about in the Navy from an EW perspective or even just an operational perspective, you know, with them, but. And then the other thing, and this is another issue that I think is critical when you're talking about next you know, emerging technology, and that's going to be how do we allocate and manage our spectrum, which is electromagnetic energy is infinite, but our the usable portion of our spectrum that is is, is finite and it's getting out of hand and we're seeing – that we have to think differently about managing spectrum using spectrum sharing technology, which has been a promise that is still emerging of after years and years. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that. We have some stuff going on in that topic here in the U S but then there's the world radio conference happening later in the year. And this will be a conversation that affects everybody around the world is how do we how do we have a better understanding and grasp of how we use this and share this 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 finite resource that's so central to everything we do as a as in a global society?
0: So many points.
1: I jumped that I want all to raise. over there. I I just jumped. <laughs> I mean, I was that, but that's. I mean, you 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 asked. Your question was like, you know, how do you come up with the guess? I'm like, that's basically it. We're like, it's sometimes feels like, you know you're spitballing against the wall and you're like, let's see what comes up, you know, but um, that's really kind of how I think that's part of our field too, because we're just literally everywhere. So we just have to kind of pick and choose uh, who's available when.
0: You're frequency hopping.
1: There you go. <laughs> and bring bringing it back.
0: Sorry, that was a very nerdy that, joke aside. <laughs> it was, but you know what?
1: Very appropriate. I, that, that, that was good.
0: <laughs> no, I'm thinking, you know, when it comes to just to Circle back to what you were saying in terms of the naval domain. I was sort of hoping you would be able to tell me what we <laughs> want to talk about. <laughs> I'm just now starting to scratch the surface of what electronic warfare means for the naval domain. I mean, of course, you know I've been looking far more into the underwater world, so we're talking a lot more about you know um, light and, and and sound and things like this. But yeah, I, I know that we've had this conversation before, and there's plenty going on also in the in the naval domain. As our good friend Tom Withington would know be very happy to tell us um, the other thing i was i was interested in because you you mentioned that you know how do you keep things relevant and 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 also how you organize your um, your schedule, so to speak. And I think maybe I'm I'm coming at it from a different angle. And I may be thinking about this too much still with a writer's mind. So when I think about my schedule, it it becomes an article in its own right. So and and you sort of mentioned it as well, you know, like when I did my my series on sustainability in defense, there was there was, you know, okay, so I'm going to be looking at the Air Force, I'm going to be looking at the Naval, I'm going to be looking at what it means at European level, but also I want to be looking at how these things are financed and issues with like financing and ethical financing. So I was already thinking, you know, in fact, even now that I'm telling you this, like my mind is picturing an article. And and it's very much also, you know, preparing the, the, the season coming up, one of the topics, one of the the strings, if if I could put it this way, is going to be underwater warfare. And so, again, there, you know, I want to be looking at starting with an episode that we'll be looking at what does that mean, you know, what does that entail? And then start looking, you know, looking at surface and then under the surface and the seabed. And so, you know, going further and further in, in the depths. So. That's usually how I look at things. And same, you know, with the with the other topic that I'll be exploring on the, trend, the, the transition between conflict and post-conflict and the role of defence and armed forces, you know, I'm starting with the conflict, starting with the transition and going into the post-conflict. So, yeah, I think for me it's more like that. Um, and so far I have to say maybe I've been relatively lucky. Uh, people that I've been wanting to talk to, in the order I wanted, have been available in the order I wanted, but that may also be down to the fact that I only publish two episodes a month, so it leaves me more room for maneuver.
1: Those are gonna be interesting topics, and I, I actually I found your your series on sustainability very interesting as well. Um, you know, again, stepping out of EW and and thinking about that in a way. I'm, Honestly, I would not have thought about sustainability and defense without listening to your podcast. So um, I think that I'm looking forward to hearing your your, your season two coming out. I, I actually not to kind of put you on the spot, but I think it would be interesting to have some experts on and be looking at that issue, both from a broad naval perspective, defense uh, perspective, as well as an EW perspective, because you, you mentioned earlier quantum capabilities. And we're always looking for that, that magic key that gives you the sustained advantage in combat. And I know that there's a lot of research being done in the acoustic realm and, and undersea that, that actually could even be more secure than what we're learning in quantum. And it just shows that A, there is never an end to this, to this notion of discovery. And B, it's probably, the answer is probably already in nature. The next answer is probably already in nature somewhere. And, and, and I think that that's just fascinating in this field of defense technology.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and, and to your point about quantum and and and, and underwater, uh, I totally agree. We should do another episode more focused on that. And when I was at UDT in uh, in Germany in May, I spoke to someone from uh, BMT, and um, she was she's she's done research on quantum computing and what kind of role that can play in terms of submarine communications and also encryption. And you know, I kind of looked at her and I was like, I don't understand any of the words you're saying. What what does it mean? You know, how does it work? And she explained it to me very simple, you know, in a very simple way. She just, she was just saying that basically, you know, in the in a physics world, things can exist in two places at once. I mean, we tend to think about things in a very linear fashion, but physics is all about all these multiverses and, and, and multiple places at once. I got very close to quoting a movie title there. I know, I know. I, know. I, I,
1: I, I was, I was right on the same wavelength. I'm like, okay, we're getting into quantum, but I can relate it to a, a movie, so that's good.
0: And and she was saying basically, it what would make it more secure? Why quantum would make communications more secure is because if you fiddle with one aspect of the communication on one side, it is reflected on the other side. And I thought, wow, this is this is fascinating. And, and I she couldn't tell me too much more at that point in time. I know she's still researching, but just that, you know, it piqued my interest so much.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that touches on, on, on another challenge I think we both run into is, you know, you have the realm of still learning the, 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 the issue, the research that's going on out there, but you also deal with a lot of uh, security measures, you know, classifications that, um, you know, we'd love to tell you, but we can't talk about that on on on, on a podcast, and so it, it does make it uh, a challenge at times to really get the right information out the way that you want it. But at the same time, when you think step back and think, "Hey, well, it's already occurring in nature." Like there, it, you you have to be creative and still ha- figure out a way to have that conversation. And that's kind of why we're here doing what we're doing.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely, and and it's it's funny that you mentioned nature because I know that we've also discussed the fact that biomimicry is is a big big deal, and there's plenty going on also in terms of trying to understand how animals communicate in in nature, uh, how they how they act, and and see what we can use, or how they also. Um, uh, camouflage and disappear. You know, I mean, we've been using that for, for centuries. But you know, interesting to see what we can get from nature. And uh, and I was listening to this podcast actually today that was all about creativity and how the brain works. And and she was very much talking about what we're saying now. She's saying. You really have to go out there, you know. It's creativity is basically it, it there's nothing really revolutionary. It's all about these different building blocks, these different experiences, these different ideas that you get from everywhere, all these inputs in your life all the time. And and everything that you're learning, all the curiosity that we have in, in our in our line of work. And using that to get new ideas, to, to create new ideas from all these little bits and pieces. So Nature obviously is the biggest muse of all, I think.
1: And and I think that creativity—you know, you see that in the defense sector and a lot of startups. Uh, you know, the a lot of boundary pushing in terms of what can be done. Uh, that is a distinctive human quality. That creativity, that does ultimately maybe require AI and machine like we were talking about. But like, when you talk about the get the hu- human involvement in the advancement of defense technology, it's, that's where it's at. And, and, you know, from AOC perspective, you know, we're, we're always trying to engage, like, how do we improve our outreach? How do we improve our relationships with small businesses and startups and the, those small companies trying to get through the door? So I wanted to kind of, if, if, if it's okay, kind of switch directions a little bit. But I, that that's kind of a good segue in terms of getting that foot through the door, we're obviously AOC is an international association. We have members all over the world. Our podcast is largely U.S. I am one hundred percent, you know, in the in thinking U.S. It is really hard to get a handle on and master and use to your benefit the the labyrinth bureaucracies that we create in the the, the Department of Defense (DOD), and you're over in Europe. In France, and you're dealing with the European defense community. Can you share with us a little bit about the challenges over there and how they're different maybe from the US in terms of tapping into the vast creative resources and innovation of small businesses or smaller companies that are trying to change the game, but may have a difficult time kind of getting through the, that that open door?
0: Well, I think that's an episode in its own right, to be honest, <laughs> but the the teaser, if you want to put it this way, if we want to table this one for another time, uh, is that, well, first of all, it's cultural, right? I mean, I think it's very much down to what culturally you're used to valuing as well, so... I mean, I can speak from France, for instance, and I know not all my fellow country men, women will will agree with me, but when Macron was elected, his big deal was to make, to facilitate um, startups um, access to, as you said, to funding, to to the bigger organization, to bigger industry players who might be able to help them. I know that in the naval domain, uh, there are a few companies now I don't necessarily want to... Publicize, but, you know, there are a few companies that are very good at taking startups and, and helping them, working with them, proving their concepts. I see that perhaps a bit less in Italy. Uh, but again, Italy is, is another culture, another issue because the government is, well, what it is, what it is <laughs> there, actually. Um, so it can be quite complicated, you know to to be a startup. I mean, basically the way taxes and everything, because these also play a role right, are set up. it's it makes it very hard to exist. So they have a Italy has a very big issue with brain drain. In fact, many of them come to the US. At European level, of course, the first thing you have to bear in mind is that we're what are we now? twenty eight countries? All different nationalities or different cultures or different ways of approaching, well, first of all, defense doesn't mean the same for all of us. We don't have the same imperatives. Um, so our priorities are elsewhere. So putting, you know, getting everyone to agree on something can be complicated. The EU and the European Defense Agency are really trying to facilitate uh startups access, or not just startups, but you know, small SMEs. Access to uh, funding and grants. I mean, there are so many calls for proposals, and you know, they're really trying to facilitate their access. But you know, I've spoken to some of those SMEs, and they've told me. I mean, have you have you seen what you need to do to get European funding? I was like, no, I've steered clear of it, but I have worked with the European Commission for other projects, and I do remember that you get a headache just trying to wade through the website let alone the bureaucracy and all the things that you need to fill. So I don't think we're much different from you, you know, at European level. And perhaps it's also reflected in the fact that, I mean, a really good friend of mine is American and she's always told me, you know, people think that the US is a country, but really we're just a collection of states and EU is the same. So I think, you know, we have the same labyrinth bureaucracy because, there's so much to wait through and so, so many differences. So I don't know, this is kind of off the top of my head sort of answer. I don't know if that really helped.
1: But but it's, it's a good teaser. It's a yeah. good teaser. Yeah. And, and, then uh, I, you know, I'm, we've had a, I've had a few episodes in the past with, you know, speaking on innovation and, you know, it's, it's one thing to have an intention to help them out from a, from a government perspective, but, you know, when you kind of see how it is implemented and this kind of, re- this, this subtle resistance to changing the the process in a way that makes some people uncomfortable, it quickly starts to show up, you know, some of that, some of that, uh, th- those obstacles continue to kind of pop up and you're just like, oh, you know, at the end of the day, it's, this is where a lot of the answers are, but, you know, we, we have a very tenuous process and, and 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 bureaucracy out there that has to kind of maintain itself and so there it, it's, it's interesting to see some of that change over the the recent decades um you know really over the last maybe 10 15 years you can see it accelerating a lot with different funding streams but uh I, I think that there's definitely an opportunity I guess globally hearing what you're saying in, in terms of you know whether it's US or Europe to really kind of figure out better ways to make that transition from, you know, startup or innovation to something that's fieldable technology, uh, a little bit smoother. And, and that's going to be a, a job that probably doesn't have an endpoint, but uh, certainly progress.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree. And and I think another thing that I was thinking about is, that, and, I, and I, there's, I did an episode on that, and I don't want to Spoil the fun uh, at this point to talk about it in too much detail, but you know, when you look at the EU, you know, we think about the we think about a startup, we think about the theme, we think about the bureaucracy, we think about all these things that we've just mentioned, right? But another thing that I was so surprised to find out was an issue was, you know, financing. So getting venture capitalists to finance uh, startups and and also you know help them you know get on their feet and and produce something that could be of interest and be picked up by people's radar and Defense is again not seen as something that is a sustainable goal. It's very often seen as something that is dirty, as something that people don't want to be associated with. So, how do you break down those barriers as well? You know, as I was talking about cultural before, it's also that how do you, how people perceive defense and and what it does and how they're willing to finance it, fund it, and 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 help it. So, that's another issue to look into.
1: I touched on a future a couple future episodes coming out in your season two. I was just, you know, on on the way here, listening to your one of your recent episodes with Virginia Hall, and the in the book that was extremely interesting. In your season two, what do we have to look forward to? Are there is there anything to look forward to in terms of books or people that we that interest you, and that we should be learning a little bit more about? Because you've done some great kind of exposes, kind of deeper looks at some of these figures and in, in, in women in in, in defense uh, in your season one. Are you going to have something like that in season two?
0: Ooh. Um, so women in defense, I will start again in, so that would be season three. So I'm actually giving you a snippet of season three. Um, very conventionally because uh, women, you know, International Women's Day is in March. So I thought it's quite fitting. And this time around, it will really focus on women in, um, it will focus on spying and, uh, and things like that. So I'm quite excited about that. But in season two, things that are really to look forward to. One thing that I'm very excited about is that there's going to be two, possibly three episodes on East Timor. And it's the country where I went to live for 10 months when I was doing my PhD research. It's Half of an island at the end of the world, you know, and no one really knows about it. in fact, full disclosure, I didn't know about it until I read a book about it and decided to go and study it. <laughs> so I mean, it's only been a country since you know um, two thousand and two, so really, uh, I can't blame people that much but um so you know how uh, i I'm, I'm, I'm going to be talking to someone who was a military in the Australian armed forces and was deployed there when the uh, international Mission went in to um, liberate, in a way, East Timor from Indonesian forces that were destroying everything on their way out. So I'm very, very excited to be exploring East Timor. And in terms of books, um, I'm, I've been reading this great book, A Stranger in Your own City, from uh, this Iraqi architect turned journalist who talks about how Baghdad has changed from. His childhood years, which were during Saddam Hussein, later into after the invasion, you know, during the invasion uh, of Iraq by by the U.S. and then after, and then you know all the processes, the political processes, and basically how the city's boundaries, and, and neighborhoods and affiliation changed constantly according to who was in power and who had the weapons and who could basically just scared the population into <laughs> submission one way or another. So I'm hoping to be able to have him as a guest to discuss his book.
1: Okay, oh that 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 sounds great. Always looking forward to to your future episodes. We're kind of reaching the end of our time a little bit. Was, was there anything else that you wanted to to talk about? and then uh, and how best can listeners here that are listening to this episode get in contact with your show, make sure that they subscribe? contact you or, or, or what have you, what do you want the listeners to kind of, um, at, le- at least the listeners, maybe that ha- this is the first time they're hearing you from our show. Uh, what what would you like them to know about your efforts, how to reach you and so forth?
0: Well, I mean, there's, um, you know, it's called defense. So D slash fence, uh, spelt the English way. Apologies for all the American listeners.
1: <laughs> I, I've, I've tried to spell it the right way when we email. So, but it's, 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 uh, <laughs> The, the spell check doesn't correct. like it, so yeah. yeah. Oh man, so yeah.
0: <laughs> but you can find it on all the major platforms, really. So Spotify, Google um, Podcast, Apple Podcasts. For the French ones, there's also Deezer. I know that a lot of French people use Deezer, so you can also find it on its own website uh which is at the moment escaping me i know it's terrible but you know if you type in defense you will find it online and really i mean i don't know this is a question i had for you as a conclusion you know well obviously it would be grand if the listeners uh when they like an episode they share it that would be fantastic but also i am craving feedback you know, we put all this work into into this passion that we have, into this passion for giving a voice to other people, and I hardly ever get feedback. I don't know who's out there, who's listening, what they're thinking. So it would be wonderful to even positive, you know, even critical feedback would be fantastic.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I agree. the fee- The feedback is is uh, extremely important. Um, we we struggle with that too. I mean, what we obviously uh, uh, accumulate a lot of data. The the best feedback that I get on the show is actually just going out to our the AOC conferences because a lot you know, we end up I end up talking to them like, Oh yeah, you're the, the host of the show. It's great to meet you and so forth. And you, you get feedback that way. But it is very important for our listeners to know, like, yes, please share it. Please comment. Uh, you know, I'm on social media. I will be on, on Twitter, um, although they did some weird reform of that I don't X, quite understand something like I, that. I don't, I don't. <laughs> so, someone got paid a lot of money for that and 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 it went south but th- we're on social media full disclosure I am terrible at it I mean I, and honestly I I couldn't imagine a more unnatural field than podcasting and social media for me to dive into, but I am there. And so, you know, other ways you can you can engage, uh, obviously AOC has its own website organization and, and we are, we have chapters around the world. So like, if you're in Europe, um, you know, uh, please look us up because we probably have a chapter, uh, in, in or near, you know in your country, but, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of, we have a lot of European opportunities and activities over there. So, um, but yeah, feedback is huge. And, uh, one of the things that we're, we're excited about here is, you know, we're going to finish out this year, 2023, pretty much the same, you know, we're, we're, uh, uh, you know, a couple a couple episodes every month. We have a great convention, a symposium annual show coming up our 60th uh, in December. Hopefully we can get you out there for that. Uh, I think it's a great time. It's, it's kind of the largest international gathering of, of crows. Uh, uh it's a murder of crows out there as you will. And, uh, we're going to be doing live streaming out there. Um, uh, but we're making some really big changes for 2024, you know, looking for increasing, you know, doubling our episodes, bringing in, you know, uh, different styles of, uh, shows where we can live stream real kind of analysis of what we're hearing about on a more regular basis, making it more current current events focused on some of those episodes. More about that coming out in months here in weeks to come. But, uh, you know, I think that the key is we're getting enough positive feedback that we know we're on the right track. But man, just let us talk to us, just tweet us, email us, whatever, and uh, let us know how we're doing. Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree. Same here, you know, like I, I post on Twitter. No, not Twitter. I hate Twitter. Sorry, I post on I know. LinkedIn. As, as, <laughs> as I
1: learned in AOC Europe, I mean, jeez.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm allergic to the to that means of communication. But um, I am on LinkedIn. Whenever we post something about an episode, uh, it, it would be wonderful if people who've listened to it could just write saying, hey, I really love this or this was very interesting. Start a conversation, you know, um, that's, you know, that's the name of my Podcast. I mean, that's the tagline, right? Um, and also, like, I didn't like that. Like, that's useful for us, you know. I, it's like I, you know, I don't like it when you ramble on, or I don't like it when you don't introduce what you're going to talk about in the podcast. Anything, anything helps.
1: What our listeners don't know is this: uh, w- this recording is actually a five hours long, right? You know, like <laughs> we're, we're cutting everything. We're not. No, um, we're actually doing this pretty much straight straight through. So, but yeah, no, it, we it it is hard to know what the diverse our diverse listeners want to hear and 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 to be able to uh, you know welcome that into like episodes and figure out how to put everything together so the more the merrier we we're, we we're good-natured people we we enjoy this and uh you know we will will uh, welcome any feedback so any anything else before we wrap up for for the day
0: No, I just want to say it's been a pleasure, as always, Ken, having a chat with you. Um, I like that both our podcasts are very chat oriented and, you know, again, making people feel like they're sitting at the table with us and with our guests. So, yeah, thank you so much for doing this with me. It's been a pleasure and I hope our audience will love it.
1: Well, 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 thank you, Alex. Uh, always great to talk to you as well. Looking forward to your new episodes coming out. And uh, I think we've had a few ideas through our conversation for maybe some future collaboration. So that, that's always good. And uh, hope to see you in December. But uh, of course, you know, it's, it's a lot, it's easier for me to say that because I'm only traveling a couple hours. Got, uh, <laughs> you're not crossing you know, an cro- ocean. <laughs> I'm not crossing an ocean. So hope to see you soon. But uh, yes, thank you for taking time to join me.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks very much. (laughs) So there you have it, folks. As you've heard, whether it's in the Defense Podcast, the History of All Crows, or from the Crow's Nest, there is something in there for everyone. So if you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to like, share, and spread the word. And if there are any topics that you would like us to explore in the coming months, please don't hesitate to comment on the podcast's social media channels. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, au revoir et à bientôt.